0: Today, I want to keep talking about interesting things that we think God said, but God never said. This is important because we live in a super-religious culture, a super-spiritual culture. People are very spiritual. People, you know, uh, Jesus' approval ratings are still super-high, even though His church's approval ratings are dropping. People believe in Jesus. People uh, b- believe in religion, uh, largely, very spiritual, you know. But their their foundation of what they believe is really shaky in our world today. And, and here's what I've come to realize: is especially in our culture here in the South, people are very close to religion, but very far from God. And think about that distinction. You can be close. Uh, from re- to religion and far from God. That's actually what Jesus said to Peter. He said, "Peter, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're just close enough to think you've got it, yet just far enough away to miss it altogether." That's what a lot of people are doing today. They don't see any reason for you to be excited about what God's doing in your life or your church because they think you know they're just close enough to religion that they think they've got what you've got. And and see that really is one of the one of the greatest attacks against God's church is this false version of God's church. Unfortunately, that's very religious, but not very relational. Okay. And so uh, what that has bred is a lot of cliche statements that will circulate on social media, a lot of memes that are sort of spiritual, kind of biblical. Some of it is biblical words taken out of context. Some of it is biblical words kind of mixed up and nobody's out there trying to mess up the Bible. They've just kind of merged their own culture and their own tradition with true Bible. And we've got this Mess, everybody say mess. Mess. Now say it like my mamaw would say it, say a mess. mess. (laughs) That's what we have. And and people think God said it. They think this is biblical. They think it's scriptural. And so they're posting like little memes or pictures or images and they get likes and hands up emojis and you go girls. And I'm going, no, don't go girl. (laughs) Because that's awful theology. That's a terrible idea. And so we've been talking about a lot of these things that, that people think are in the Bible that God never said. All right. Uh, Next week, I'm going to talk about this statement that people think this is reality. People think it's true, but, but it's really not. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That's a very popular belief right now among religious people. It really doesn't matter what you believe. You see it this way. I see it that way. We can all coexist. It doesn't really matter what you believe in law as long as you're sincere. Let me tell you, that's a dangerous and damning lie of hell. It really does matter what you believe. I'll talk about that next week. Today's going to be kind of heavy. Strap on your combat boots, your steel toe boots, whatever phrase you want to say, because we're talking about sin, all right? And since we're talking about the way my mamma said it, she's talking about sin. Say it with me. That's right, all right? And it's going to be sort of a heavy topic today, so I'm going to start off with something kind of light, a little funny illustration. Let's get started like this. Everybody, I need participation from everybody at every location, I need you to kind of look around your surroundings. Look at the people beside you. Just look at them. Look at the people in front of you, behind you. And on the count of three, I want you to point to whichever one looks like the worst sinner. One, two, three, point right there. Go. All right. Guy on the front row got it right. He pointed right at himself. He's sitting next to his wife, husband of the year right up here. Y'all give him a hand. Smart man. Smart fella. Yeah, uh, that's kind of awkward, isn't it? (laughs) Like pointing at somebody. See, our culture doesn't really call much wrong anymore. Here's the one thing that is definitely wrong, saying anything is wrong. There's nothing that's a sin in our culture anymore except pointing out what actually is sin. People don't want to hear that. And so our culture lives by this falsehood. doesn't matter what you do as long as you're not hurting anyone else. You ever heard that phrase? It doesn't matter what you do as long as you're not hurting anybody. It doesn't really matter. It's nobody's business but your own. You do you and I'll do me. And it really doesn't matter as long as you're not hurting anyone else. But God never said that. God created us. God designed us. He knows what's right for us. He wrote the owner's manual for this body, this body, mind and soul that he gave and created you. The owner's manual is his word and that's what we have to live by. And you can uh, buy a vehicle and disregard the owner's manual and determine that I don't want to put diesel uh, gasoline in this diesel engine because it's my car by the way and I my car my rights. My, my choice, right? And I can shove gasoline in there if I want to, but what you can't determine is what the results are going to be. Because when you disobey the owner's manual, the results are going to be devastating. And the owner's manual for your life and your future and your purpose is God's word. Somebody help me. Amen. 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 So that's what we want to do today. We want to look at what God's word actually says. Um, let's start right here. You know, If you think about when Jesus was, was walking on the earth in the flesh and in, in, in around the first century, um, Jesus, Jesus. sort of the cultural major theme of the culture was the word justice. Everybody say justice. Of all things that they talked about, you could argue that the major cultural theme was justice. You see a lot of that in scripture. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You kill my donkey, you got to give me a donkey, right? I mean, that, that was the thing. Like, you're going to pay for whatever you do. And we can all agree that's not our cultural focus anymore in this world right justice is not what we're all about you might actually say that the biggest cultural value today is tolerance tolerance and and really tolerance sounds really cool and and in, what it used to mean I'm totally with that kind of tolerance it used to mean that all people have equal value we may disagree you may even do things that i don't think are right i may do things you don't think are right but i can tolerate you because you matter people matter. And that's a good thing. I like that. But the, there's a new version of tolerance today that says all ideas and all behavior have equal value. I don't have to just value you as a person. Now I have to value your choices. I have to value what you do. And for me to say that anything is wrong or sinful, that's judgmental and that's hateful. It's bigoted. to Insert your language of, of how awful you are. Okay, And that's why people are, you know, that's the excuse people are giving for leaving the church. And I can't believe you have gotten this way and that way. And my answer is always, we haven't gotten any way. We've, we're still where we started. God's word, right? God's word is, is how we want to live. And so here's what we've done. We've softened the language on sinful things. Take, for example, sexual sin. We don't say, you know, pornography. That's not what our culture calls it anymore. They call it adult entertainment. Sounds much cleaner and more wholesome, right? It's just adult entertainment. We don't say committed adultery. They said had an affair. They just sort of had an affair. That doesn't sound nearly as icky, right? People don't talk about premarital sex. The Bible calls it fornication. It's just called fooling around, you know, friends with benefits, hooking up, you know. It doesn't sound nearly as bad. And so we've taken what was once wrong, we've changed the definition, And so now the only real sin is pointing out that something is wrong. It's none of your business. It's not hurting you. I can do whatever I want to do as long as I'm not hurting anyone else. My body, my choice. My life, my choice. And that's the world we live in. Let me get a corporate amen to that. That's where we live. Now, here's something that uh, is true. The Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. The Bible actually predicted this day. Long before you and I were born, long before the ideas of our modern era were born, God told us we would be here. And Paul the Apostle, who established churches all over uh, the the known world, uh, he wrote letters back and forth. As those churches asked questions, he answered those questions. And some of what he wrote, this is one of the things that tells us um, a prophecy that's come to light. It says, for a time is coming, he wrote 2,000 years ago, a time is coming when people no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Are we there? Yeah, we're there. He said it's going to happen. And instead, they will follow their own desires, what I desire. I don't, I'm not going to follow what the Bible says. I'm not going to follow what my pastor, my shepherd that God put in my life. I'm not going to follow them, that teaching. I, I want to follow my own desires. How many of you like to follow your own desires? Right, right. We all do, right? I mean, your doctor says, lay off the sugar, but there's fudge cake. I want to follow my own desires, have the fudge cake, right? That's just natural. Paul says there's going to come a time when sound teaching from the Bible that we need to uh, embrace, people don't want to do that anymore. Instead, they want to follow their own desires. And so here's what they're going to do. They're going to look for new teachers because we know that not listening to the the taught word of God is, is, is not righteous and it's not wholesome. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to fool ourselves. We're going we're to chase our own desires, but we're going to find teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And we are there. It doesn't matter where you live. If you have internet access, you can find a Google theologian that will twist like a pretzel that verse into whatever you wanted it to say. It doesn't matter where you are. If you could get a podcast, there's some teacher, some leader, there's somebody who will tell you what you want to hear. And here's the problem with that. Sin is still sin. Sin is is still sin. It has dramatic earthly consequences when we participate in it, but it has potentially damning eternal consequences. Sin is simply a word in the Greek that means to miss the mark, that God has a mark or a, a target for you. And this is where you're supposed to go. This is what's going to bless your life. This is what's going to find purpose and meaning. This is what's going to pour out the blessings of heaven over your life. This is my will for your life. And to do something else is to miss that mark, and that is sin. Our culture, however, says, you, who are you to tell me what sin is? You know, what do you And here's the thing about God. God's got a problem. He thinks he's God. He he, did, you know, he thinks he just doesn't have to care what you feel about anything. He just says what he says, right? And so what our task is, is to take his word and understand it better. So we don't understand sin anymore in our world. Let's talk about sin just a little bit today. Three uh, misbeliefs about sin. Here's the first one. I'm not a bad person. Preacher, why are you preaching on sin at me? Why are you coming at me today? I'm not a bad person. I, I'm really a good person. I make some mistakes, but I'm not a bad person. Well, what does the Bible say about that? It actually says if we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. We have found a teacher who will teach us what we want to hear and, and and fulfill our own desires, but here's what we've done. We fooled ourselves. And we are not living in the what, church? We're not living in the truth. If we claim to have no sin. Here's the truth. We have all sin, And the reality of our sin is tough medicine. And so here's what we do to so soften the blow we compare ourselves to other people and go, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I look at her over there. She goes to church every weekend. If you knew what I knew about Miss Thing over there. But see, she's not the standard. He's not the standard. Jesus is the standard. And, and let me just tell you, next to him, you, let me just talk about me. Next to Jesus, I am a rotten, filthy, miserable sinner. Hopelessly lost, apart from him. He is the standard. And so when he is the standard, I actually am a pretty bad person, right? And in fact, let's take inventory. Here. Here's a fun little illustration. Just, we need everybody to be real honest in here. Okay. This is the house of God. Let's don't be a liar. Okay. Let's just be honest. So raise your hand, everybody in who has ever in your life. Life's a long time. This guy don't even know what I'm asking. He knows he's done it. <laughs> I love that. It's like me. If you ever told a lie, Ever in your life, told a lie. Good. Now, if your hand's not up, you're lying right now, just to <laughs> clarify. Okay. So you ever told a lie. All right. Um, let's say you have ever stolen anything, right, Jen? It goes all the way back. Now, my, my sister is on a mission trip just serving the Lord right now. Were she here, she would have to raise her hand because she routinely stole out of my piggy bank when we were kids. And when she gets back, I want you to ask her about it. Okay, it happened. Okay, you come, one more time. You ever stolen anything? Come on, in your life. Okay, uh, ever told a lie? Okay, uh, ever lusted after someone? You holy people. <laughs> oh yeah, I told a lie. I l- lusted. <laughs> Pastor, my wife is right there. Want you to ask him. It was when you were fourteen. I know it's been a long time. Come on. Here's what Jesus said about lust. He said, if you lust after someone that's not your spouse, you've already committed adultery with them in your heart. And the heart's the only thing that matters. That's why I teach people, before adultery is committed in the bed, it's committed in the head. And it's all the same, either way. And we are all guilty of sin like that, right? So let's just take inventory. I got a room full, several rooms full, and people online full of people who are lying, thieving, adulterers. No, we're not bad people. Welcome to Daystar, the feel-good church. You feel good? We're just a feel-good church. That's why so many people come here. We just make everybody feel good, right? No, we are sinners. We are. And, and, and the, minute you, the minute you think, I, I, well, I'm not a bad person, well, then I don't need a Savior. Listen, if I'm not a bad person, I don't need Jesus. And if I don't need Jesus, I have no hope at all. Your Bible says this in Romans chapter 3, no one is righteous. Come on, who's righteous? No. No one is righteous, not even one. What about Billy Graham? Not even one. Did you hear about Mother Teresa? Not even one. Claire was here. She's given her whole life to the little children. Not even Claire. Nobody is righteous. And until we realize that, there is no hope for us. Because we will never look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, if I'm looking to Jerry, who's not that bad a person. If you're looking to you and you're not that bad a person, it begins. Redemption, hope, purpose, meaning, salvation begins with the reality that I'm hopeless without Jesus. I'm a sinner, I'm a sinful, miserable, wretched, hopeless person without Jesus. But thank God for Jesus. <laughs> Now, I don't have to be identified as that miserable person. I don't have to have my identity in the things I've done. I did that. Yeah, I did that. I did that. That's not your identity anymore. Through the cross, you have been forgiven. And according to Scripture, you've been remade. You're recreated into the image of Christ. Don't let one of the things that bothers me the most, and I don't hear a lot of preachers preaching about it, is the way that our culture today is trying to rob you of your identity in Christ. They're trying to identify you by political party, by sexual orientation, by gender issues and gender confusion, gender dysphoria. You need to throw all that away and our identity is in Christ alone. Who I am is a son of God, a daughter of God. That's all I am. My identity is in him. So yes, yes, apart from him, I'm a bad person. But with him, I am the righteousness of God. Man, I feel like I've said a lot of things that are a little bit negative. Say this with me. I am am the righteousness of God. That felt so good. Say it again. I am am the righteousness of God. Because of Christ, I am. There's there's the first misgiving I want to throw away. I'm not really a bad person. Here's the second mistake we make about sin. All sin is the same. Why are you looking at me about my sin? You're a sinner too. All sins the same. All sin is the same in the eyes of God. Who are you to judge me? What I'm doing is no worse than what they're doing over there. All sin is the same. But God never said that. In fact, God said something else. This one right here, if I were to circle of all the things we're going to talk about today, if I were to just guess which one do day good godly Christian day star members get wrong, I bet this is one you, you probably would have said, well, all sins the same in the eyes of God, but it's really not. Now, all sin separates us from God. All sin can... Damn you eternally. We know that. Unrepentant, unforgiven sin absolutely separates you and, and leads to eternal death. The Bible says this, that the wages or the earnings or the paycheck of my sin, when I sin, I'm working, and the paycheck I get is what? Death. But I love this, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. All sin falls into the same category in that it separates us from God. But all sin is not the same because its consequences on our life, they're different. One of my favorite uh, Daystar stories, listen, if you ever want to hear funny stories, sit down with a group of preachers and let them try to outstory them about their church members. Funniest lunch you'll ever have in your life. Here's the one I lead off with, all right? It's my favorite Daystar church member story. Uh, The the time the woman, the, the, the church lady, gave me the middle finger. Funny, awesome moment, okay? So I'm, I'm uh, at a four-way stop and I'm dropping off my kids at school and I'm just kind of busy and distracted and you need to pay attention and not be on the phone or whatever, but I'm at the four-way stop and you know, it's always like, whose turn is it? And I love, like, I know whose turn it is every time, except I wasn't paying attention and I didn't know if it was my turn and probably I went early and saw her going and I hit the brakes because I knew I wasn't paying attention and then she went and it was one of those herky-jerky things and she was not having it. She was not happy. And finally, she just, you know, I just, I just waited for her to go on and she just jammed on her uh, accelerator and came through that intersection and looked and gave me the finger. And she went to Daystar and she looked in my eyes when she did, she was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to preach about this. <laughs> I was like, I mean, this is like gold material. I was so happy that. I, now that's sin, right? That's sin. You don't give the pre or anybody the middle finger. Okay? That's sin. But if she'd gotten so angry she reached that finger in and picked up her 38 out of her purse, like I have recently found out all North Alabama women have. Right? If she pulled that 38 out and shot me the 38 instead of the middle finger, how I many know that's a different sin? You know what? Like if she gives me the middle finger, she gets in a sermon. If she gives me the pistol, she gets into prison, right? All sin is not the same. It, it really is not because the consequences of our sins are not the same. You, if, if you're a youth pastor and you commit the sin of gluttony, all right, you're probably not going to lose your youth pastor job. We might talk to you and help you, con, you know, control and, and, and you know, whatever. But if you commit the sin of smoking weed with one of the students, you're not going to be the youth pastor anymore. Are you all agree with that? Because right? all sin is really not the same. And, and you say, well, yeah, but in the eyes of God, all sin is the same. Well, well really not because look at the words of Jesus. He's talking about the Pharisees, the religious leaders, fake hip, hypocrites. He said the Pharisees devour widows' houses. See, they overcharged widows because they were, they were powerless. They would overcharge widows a temple tax, and, and they'd become homeless. And he said they devour widows, and then they make a show of lengthy prayers like they're all spiritual. And apparently, this really frustrated Jesus because he said these men will be punished, what? Mm-hmm. Most severely. There there must be punishment and then severe punishment and maybe there's more punishment and then these jokers get most severe punishment. Uh, Apparently, not all sin is, is the same in the eyes of God. And in fact, here's another place when Jesus was handed over to the authorities to be crucified by these same Pharisees, they made false accusations against Jesus. And he said, therefore, the one who handed me over to you, is guilty of what? A greater sin. He said, you've accused me of a sin that I've not committed. But there's an even greater sin, and they actually did commit it. So all sin is not the same in the eyes of God. Both are sin. All sin will keep you out of heaven. Absolutely. All unconfessed sin will keep you out of heaven. But all sin is not the same. And here's the truth. I bet most of you didn't really know that was in the Bible. It's probably not something that that you saw. And that's why church matters. The church matters. Being a part of weekend worship every week matters. We, ha- we put every sermon online. If you can't be here, every one of them is on YouTube. It's a 30-minute uh, little clip. Uh, you can watch it. You can learn. You can grow. You can get the word inside of you. Think about all the contents being thrown at you on streaming services like Netflix and Hulu or podcast or radio things that you're listening to. It's garbage in, garbage in, garbage in, garbage in, and you want life and hope to spring out. Listen, if garbage comes in, what's going out? Garbage. And the garbage is gonna direct your family and your children. And if your student is directing your future and your decisions, you need truth in, righteousness in, the hope of Christ in, and those things are gonna come out of you. That's why you need the church. And that's why Satan has attacked the church. Every time you scroll through either the news or social media, there's some preacher, some church person, some worship leader, somebody who's done something wrong. Oh, did you hear about that preacher? When somebody asks me, did you hear about that preacher that did so-and-so this week, I always say, did you hear about the other 350,000 who did awesome? Right, right, right? Because the rest of them were serving widows and orphans and children and preaching the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Like there is a concerted effort to undermine the church. And let me tell you something. Another thing that God never said is that he's your personal Lord and Savior. Find me the Bible in verse for that. Here's what Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Well, I can be the church all by myself. Find me that Bible verse. It's not in there. The church is the call, ecclesia, the ones called out from culture to be empowered by heaven and change the culture together. God wants us together. Why? Because I'm going to get on your nerves and you're going to have to get over it. If you're up there on the mountain just by yourself, nobody's getting on your nerves, Right? And you're going to get old my nerds and I'm going to be, I'm going to get a I'm going to be a better person by by overcoming that. And and more importantly, I, I've got some strengths that you don't have and you're going to need that. And you have gifts that I don't have, and I'm going to need that. And that's how God builds us all. And, and God, that's why you need to be in a small group so other people can help you learn and grow in areas that you don't see, you're learning the scripture together because there are areas like this in our culture and it, it's so dangerous because it's not, uh, there, there are obvious things in our culture that are anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-Bible. I'm not too worried about that with us. We recognize that. Here's, here's what is gonna get us. It's things that are very close to the scripture but just not exactly right. That's why, why Jesus told Peter, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are just close enough to God's kingdom to think you're in the kingdom and just far enough away to be completely destroyed. This is why. This is why you need God's church. This is why you need to be a part of God's church so you know the falsehoods that say all sins the same. It's not the same. Let me show you one more. Sexual sin is not the same as any other sin. Here's how I know. Not because I judge people harshly, or if you've committed sexual sin, you're an icky, awful person. No, but because what God's word says, 1 Corinthians six and eighteen. What's that first word? Everybody shout it with me. One, two, three. Run! Run. Don't walk. Don't tiptoe. Run from sexual sin. Why? Because no other sin is so cl- so clearly affects the body, your body, as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin where against your own body. You've sinned against yourself. I find this very interesting. What does God say to do when sexual sin or temptation comes your way? That's so different because the Bible says, stand firm, resist the devil, and he will, he'll run. And then somebody's like, well, what about sexual sin? God's like, uh uh-uh, just run. Don't stand firm. Don't resist. Get the heck out of Dodge because you people don't do good with that one. And it will mess you up. Let me tell you something. What I know is people. That's my business, my whole adult life. I've counseled people and I've helped people overcome things like unforgiveness and poor self-image and you know addictions to all kinds of things. This one stands apart when I counsel people. People who are struggling with a sexual sin, it stands apart. There's an attack on their mind. Did you know the Bible says in Romans 1 and 28 that when we, when we succumb to sexual sin, Romans 128, when we succumb to sexual sins, we are turned over to a reprobate mind. I've talked to people who say, it's nothing wrong with this, I don't know what you're... Well, let's read what the Bible actually says. You read the Bible, okay. But but still, I know what I feel. I know how I was made. I know what I want to do. I know what feels right. See, it affects your mind. And, and it says it right here. It's a sin against your own body. You know, your mind's part of your body. You realize that, right? This, this kind of is different. And so this idea... Don't judge me. Don't tell me how to live my life, my body, my choice, my life, my choice. You know, all sins the same. You've got your own sin. I've got my own sin. Let me deal with that on my own. God never said that. Say it with me. God never said that. Here's the third. I'm going to close with this one. Since I've already done it, I might as well keep on doing it. Well, you know, I, I've already got this sin issue in my life. I, I've already looked at pornography. I can't unsee it. doesn't matter if I see it again. Yeah, I've already cheated, uh, didn't get caught. Might as well cheat again. Reminds me of a kid that I went to school with. There was the smartest girl in our class sat right in front of him. And he would try to look over her shoulder and get her answers. And the teacher caught him. So she was watching him. But when she would write, she pressed so hard on the paper. And he would just ask for a piece of paper and she would tear the next paper out. And he take I watched him take his pencil and just turn it sideways and just slide over it real good, and he could see everything she wrote. He made a hundred. Next week, can I have a piece of paper? Hundred. Next week, that's how we do with sin. We lie and then it works out and we lie again. Right? And, and so we, we get this idea. Well, since I've already done it, I might as well keep doing it. I'm not a virgin anymore. What does it matter? Can't go back and undo what I've done, right? I've got this problem and I, I've continued to do it. So God can forgive anything. Why don't He just forgive all of that? If God can just forgive, why do I need to stop anything? This is one of the questions that actually came up in one of the churches Paul started. Church at Corinth. Church at Corinth, if you think that things are worse today than they've ever been in the world? It, it's not. The church at Corinth was whack it's like if everybody in las vegas was doing drugs at the same time that's corinth it was nuts okay they asked this question hey if the grace of god really is that great so they they would get jumped from church to church but the other churches had like temple prostitutes you talk about an outreach program right there brother you know it was crazy i I don't want to go into all that it was crazy stuff right and they were like, if, if God's gonna forgive all this sin, if his grace is that amazing, why don't I just keep sinning and I'll just pray and it'll all be covered and it really doesn't matter what I do. And Paul answered that question in one of his letters. Uh, this is to the church at Rome. Should we keep on sinning so that God can just show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Listen to his answer, say it with me. Of course not. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live In that sin? Of course not. This idea that we're just going to keep doing it. Why is that? Because sin hurts the heart of God. The Bible actually says that when we continue in sin that He has paid the price for, we crucify Him afresh and make His sacrifice of none effect. It hurts the heart of God. It hurts you. It damages the people around you. You might say, well, I don't don't think so. What it actually does is it pushes us farther away from God. Push us out into darkness and we can't hear what he's trying to say to us. Well, it really, I just got this one area of my life. I've, it's a porn uh, issue. And, and other than that, I'm, I'm really doing everything that I should do. You know, the truth of the matter is the Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness and that men love darkness because their deeds are evil. He's light, we're dark. What's the solution? We get close to him. And the light shines. And the light says, hey, Jerry, this is the thing I've been talking about. I didn't hear you, God. Well, no, you didn't because you were way over here. You were in the world. But the closer you got to me, the louder my voice got, the brighter the light got. It became obvious. But sin separates us from God. And you might say, well, it's just one area of my life that I'm sending in and it's not hurting anybody else. It doesn't bother. Why do you matter? I'm I'm, I'm handling other areas of my life. But because that sin separates you, every area of your life that God's trying to speak into, you can't hear it. And every other sin that you think isn't, It's not an issue. You don't even know it's a sin. You can't see it. Why? Because you're in the darkness. Because sin separates us from God. And what God wants us to do is to come into relationship with Him. See, this is our problem. People say things all the time like, Hey, we we went deeper in Scripture, Pastor. Can we do a sermon series about this? I just want us to go deeper in Scripture. Here's what I've come to realize. Spiritual maturity is not about how much Bible you know. It's about how much Bible you live. It's really not about do you no great bible knowledge it's about do you walk in biblical fruit are you producing fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience? are you forgiving people are you loving the unlovable are you hearing his voice are you getting better are you being transformed the bible says as we get closer to him we are transformed from glory to glory to glory i'm getting closer to him and he's cleaning me up i'm getting better and better and he's not taking things away from me he's empowering me with great things And the farther away I am because of my sin, the less likely any of that's going to happen. Spiritual maturity is not about knowing the original language of the text and being able to cross-reference it. It's about letting the Holy Spirit take over your life. And most Christians in our culture today are educated beyond their level of obedience already. We don't need to know more Scripture. We need to live what we already know. That's not for you. It's for the person beside you. Don't worry. You're fired. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but that's where we are. And sin is progressive. When you get, uh, you get away with cheating, you cheat more. When, when, when you look at pornography out of curiosity, then you go back out of habit. And when you're into the habit long enough, you go back into bondage. You, you have a, a full-blown addiction. And when you lie today because it just you got caught off guard, then tomorrow you've got to lie to cover up the lie from yesterday before long. You're a habitual liar. And the truth that rings in my head from the time I was a kid and I first heard the preacher say it is that sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you wanted to pay. That's why God wants to bring you close to Him and eradicate this sin. What is the cost of my sin? The cost is intimacy with God. I lose intimacy. That sin in one area of my life loses intimacy in all areas of my life with God. You know what makes a great husband, a great man of God, a great father, a great brother? It is a man who walks closely with God and when he can hear God's voice, he obeys. And when he can see the light of God shining in a dark area of his life, he he confesses that and he prays and he asks for God to transform him. That's what makes a great wife. And you see, when one area of my life, I just coexist with sin, it pushes me out into darkness in all the other areas of my life. You say, no, that's not happening in my life. Yeah, you don't know it because it's dark. You can't see it. And we've got to deal with that sin issue. Listen, we're all going to mess up. I'm going to mess up regularly. The solution is there is a there's a gap. Everybody say gap. There's a gap between my sin and my repentance. Repentance is a gap. God speaks to me about my sin. I ask for his forgiveness. I ask him to transform me. I want to be different. And there's a gap. And sanctification, there's a big Bible word, which means to be called out apart from the world, to be useful for God's kingdom. The sanctification, it's a process. It doesn't happen in one moment. That process is the closing of the gap between my sin and my repentance. Until I don't live with that sin for long years and and weeks or, or months in my life. But I hear the voice of God calling me to him. And as that gap gets closer and closer, I begin to understand more and more His will and plan for my life until I'm in the light of His presence and I know what He wants out of me. And my mind is being transformed into the mind of Christ. And my actions are becoming more like Christ until eventually I'm living the Spirit-filled life. People think of Spirit-filled life. That's a person who prophesies, prays every day and speaks in tongues. Let me tell you, the Bible says the proof of the Holy Spirit in your life is the fruit of the Holy Spirit that I'm living the right kind of life. You say, how can I ever get there? You can't. That's Christ living through you. I can never treat people the way that I should. I could never do, no, you couldn't, but when you get close enough to Him Christ will start to live through you. And that's the aim. That's the goal. And, and, and we've talked a whole lot about sin. Let's talk about the good news. In closing, God is faithful. We read this verse last week. He won't let you be tempted to sin beyond what you can bear. But look at the promise. But whenever you're tempted, he will also provide a what? A way out so that you can endure it. There's always a way out. Some of you thinking right now, I don't have a sin curiosity or a sin habit. I'm trapped in this sin, preacher, this sin. I just, and here's your promise. There is a way out. What's the way out? Jesus told you the way out. He said, I am the way and the truth and the light. He's your way out. You come to Him. You don't cover it up. You don't hide it. You expose it to the light of day. And and, and that truth sets us free. Sin costs us something. But what Jesus offers is so far greater than what sin has cost us. What people do and I've done it, I've seen this my whole life, when they sin, they make a mistake, they run from the very source of hope because guilt and condemnation comes in. God is not an arbiter of guilt and condemnation. God is an arbiter of love and conviction conviction draws you conviction says you're better than that conviction says you can do more when you start to feel condemned you run away from the church you run away from the pastor or godly people in your life your small group you get away from that what you need to do is run as close to him as you can I, I read this verse to you earlier I want to give you the second verse after it if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us we all have sin but if we confess our sins God's going to do two things I want you to notice this he will forgive everybody say forgive our sins and purify everybody say purify purify from all unrighteousness now right there in that one thing you have done you are two-thirds the way to being through with your sin issue two-thirds everybody say two-thirds that's not enough but that's pretty awesome you say wait a minute preacher you're telling me if i confess my sins to god i'm still not done no you're not you're two-thirds because you do need forgiveness and you need to be cleansed and you are in right standing with god here's what i found out is though when I get clean, I also know how to get me dirty again. Come on. So how do I f- fix that? Well, James 5 and 16 believes the verse. It says, if we confess our sins to one another and pray, healing will come. Here's what I need to solve my sin problem. I need to be forgiven by God. I need to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And I need to be healed of the addiction to my sin. We're all sin addicts, right? It's different sins for different people. Some sins are just really terrible and everybody knows they're awful and some sins we sort of accept, but we're all sin addicts and we need all three of these. That's why you need to be in a small group. You need to confess your sin. This, this, this January, I was praying and spending some time with the Lord and letting him speak to me about my future and this year and God revealed to me a sin e- area in my life I need to deal with. I confess it to my wife, my best friend, and a ministry partner. I said, I, I, I want to get over this an anger problem. I get angry. And I don't throw things at people when I get angry, and I don't yell a bunch of stuff, but I think about throwing things, and I think about yelling. And my just, I, just, I, I could hear the voice of God saying, that's not me. That's not you. That's not who you're supposed to be. You need to get this under control. I kept thinking it was the season of time. It's the pressure. God said, it doesn't matter. You got to get better at this, and and my wife was very gracious about it. Leslie said, "You don't have an anger issue; you do have a frustration issue. (laughs) An anger issue sounds like you're throwing things in the house. You got a frustration issue. Let me tell you something, buddy. Once you confess your sin to your wife, you better get better on it. She's watching. You confess it to your best friend. You confess it to a godly person in your life." What that does, man, the devil loved to keep me frustrated, loved to keep me angry all the time. I got Jerry right where I want him. He can't hear the voice of God. He can't be used by God if he's frustrated and angry all the time. And then I just picked up the whipping stick and I said, watch this. I'm going to confess it to my wife. I'm going to tell godly people. And this morning I'm telling the whole church. (laughs) And the devil's like, oh crap. That boy's going to straighten up and God's going to do something in his life. Why don't you do the same thing about your issue? Why don't you talk to somebody you can trust? Why don't you make yourself accountable? The Bible says if you confess it to him, he'll forgive you and he'll cleanse you and that's all it takes for you to go to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. But if you want to be healed, find an accountability partner and confess it and pray.